Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of studying your word tonight. We study it in the name of Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us eyes that are open, ears that are open, hearts that are receptive. Change us by what we hear from glory to glory. Conform us to the very image of Jesus, our Savior. And we believe, dear Father God, that we will take our place and do our part in carrying out your ministry and your work that you've called us to. And Father, we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for every heart that's touched, every life that has changed, every need that is met, because you deserve it all. And we'll lay every reward at the feet of Jesus on the other side in glory. Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the third person of deity. Amen. This is his dispensation. This is his time on earth to do what the Father instructed Jesus to carry out and to make it a reality in our lives. I believe that God is wanting to do in the earth today the things that he did like in the days of Elijah the prophet with all the false gods, the the prophets of Baal and all that that's going on. And there's contention between all the people. Who's really God? We see it happening in our world today. People in high positions calling out, oh, there's different ways you can get to God. Really? Well, beloved, I believe that God wants us to stand up, rise up, and take our place and do our part just like Elijah did. But let's find out who God really is. Let's find out who God really is. You make your appeal to your God, and let's see if he can answer by fire. I'll make my appeal to my God and see if he answers by fire. And whichever one answers by fire, just let him be God. You know the story. They prayed nothing. Empty nothing. No movement whatsoever. Not even a rumble from above took place. Elijah said he must be sleeping. Maybe he's taking a nap. You never know. He might be out to lunch or something like that. Keep trying. And all they kept trying. Finally it became his turn. And you know what happened. He called upon the name of the Lord his God. And fire came down from heaven. That's what's going to correct things in our society today. When we cast the care of it all upon the Lord. Because he cares for us and say. You're the God that answers by fire. You go ahead and do it. That fire fell. Burned up the sacrifice. Licked up all the water. And all of them looked up and declared, God, he is God. He's the only one true God. Why does it take so much to get through skulls that are so thick? People that don't want to acknowledge who God is. Beloved, we're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit because you see, it is he who's at work in the earth today that we need to partnership with and give him the opportunity to do what he wants to do in us and through us. In carrying out the Great Commission. We talked about in quick review. The prominence of the Spirit. Number one. In the life. First of all in the Bible itself. 88 times in the Old Testament he's mentioned. 264 times in the New Testament. This is his dispensation. In the life of Christ. How Christ was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Who went about doing good. He himself was anointed from on high to do what he did. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to do the things that he did. If he needed the Holy Ghost and power, how much more do we? And then in the life of the believer, we talked about that. But then secondly, we talked about the work of the spirit in creation. The work of the spirit in revelation or in revealing. Revealing things to the prophets. Confirmation, confirming the word with signs and wonders. In regeneration and recreating your spirit. Aren't you glad you've been born again? Born of the spirit? 
washed in the blood of the Lamb. That was the work of the Holy Ghost in you. And then also in sanctification, which is a continued work in our lives until we leave this realm and go to be with Him in glory. Thank God for the Holy Ghost manifesting Himself in such a way so as to conform us to the very image of Jesus. Mold us. Amen. Then we talked about how our lives depend upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Temporally as we live our lives on the earth and when we're ushered out of here into glory, we need this ministry of the Holy Ghost in all of our lives. And then we talked about we can resist Him if we want to or we can cooperate with Him and yield to Him. I suggest it's better to cooperate and yield to Him than it is to resist Him. Because we know the Pharisees and the scribes and all them, all the things that took place, that took place among those people through the life and ministry of Jesus. And still they resisted the Holy Ghost. It baffles your mind when you think about things that have happened. Like even the blind man that saw in John's gospel. And they approached him and said, look, Give God the glory. We know that this man's a sinner. Give God the glory. And he said, look, whether he's a sinner or not, I have no clue. But you know what? We know this. God doesn't listen to sinners. And has it ever been said since the beginning of time from all eternity that any man opened up the eyes of another man? And the answer is no. Not even in Moses' ministry with 76 miracles that took place, two more than all the other prophets put together. Not one time did he open up the blind eyes. Not once. But when Jesus came in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, uh, prophecy in Isaiah 35, the first thing the Messiah would do would what? Open the eyes of the blind. Open the ears of the deaf. The lame man would leap as in heart. And the dumb, tongue of the dumb would sing. All they had to do was look and see and know and understand that he's the Messiah. And yet they couldn't see it. They were so stubborn and so bullheaded, they just couldn't see it. Oh, we can resist him. And they did. Big time. You see Lazarus coming forth from the grave after being dead for four days and body beginning to decay. And you can't see that he's the Messiah. Wow. How bad is that? pretty bad. Then we talked about how it takes the Spirit to accomplish God's purposes in our lives and through our lives as far as uh, ministry is concerned. And we talked about, first of all, in uh, the new birth and being born again. Uh, We talked about how being filled with the Holy Ghost gives us the power to witness. Number two, God's power to witness. You shall receive power when? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So in other words, we can't do this on our own strength or ability. It requires supernatural power from on high. And then we talked about the ministry of the Spirit who gives us boldness. Boldness. He emboldens people. In Acts chapter 4, after they were persecuted because of the miracle that took place and told not to preach or teach anymore in this name of Jesus. And they went forth, they prayed And after they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost because they asked for boldness and spake the word of God with boldness. Notice the Holy Spirit, the Father clothed them with the Holy Spirit, which gave them boldness to proclaim the word in power and demonstration. Do you ever notice if you go to witness to somebody one-on-one, it's a little more difficult than if you went two-on-one? When you take someone else with you that's born again, spirit filled, and both of you go to witness to somebody, there seems to be a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit. There is a greater boldness about you to proclaim the word because there's strength when two people are empowered by the Spirit together. Tonight, I want to continue our study and I want to talk about the effectiveness of our prayer life. Because of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And in my heart, I know and believe that God is speaking and saying, this is what will cause your breakthrough to come. 
this is what's going to give birth to the things that you've longed for to happen. And so it's important that we recognize whether we're praying, let's say, for example, a wayward child to come back to God. Someone that's maybe not walking right with God, a family member or whoever. God wants us to yield to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and give him an opportunity to go where we can't go and do what we can't do in the lives of these people. But also to help us and empower us so that we can be anointed from on high to do the things that he's called us to do and also to live the life that he's called us to live. It's the Holy Ghost in us, we are told in Ezekiel 36 and verse 27, that enables us to serve the Lord and keep his commandments. But I want you to notice in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 22, as we continue our study, for we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. Think about that statement. All of creation was affected by the fall of man. Upheaval was brought to every realm of creation, every kingdom of the world, animal, vegetable, everything, mankind. And so as a result, the whole world is cr crying out and groaning in travail, waiting for the curse to be lifted. You see, the earth wasn't designed to bring forth thorns and thistles. It wasn't designed for tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes and all that we're seeing take place in the world. Tsunamis and the list goes on and on. That's not the way God created the world. So the whole world is crying out, groaning out all of creation, even the animal kingdom, the vegetable kingdom, crying out. For what? For release from that bondage. Travailing for it. Wanting it to be as it was in the beginning before the fall of man. But now notice, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit. What is that? The redemption of our body. Aren't there times you want to say, give me that glorified body. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Glorify that body now, Father, release me from this. The redemption of our body. That's what we're groaning and travailing and crying out for. For Christ to be formed in us. If we can't have the best, which is the glorified body, then let's have the next best thing, which is the life of God manifest in this mortal body that we're living in. And we're groaning for that. We're crying out for that. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, what does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, notice this, the Spirit himself helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit? Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is a mouthful that Paul is presenting to us. Powerful chapter, this Romans chapter 8. In these verses of Scripture, he's talking about how you and I are crying out for the reality of us being the sons of God in full manifestation. And along the way, we're actually groaning from within ourselves to be relieved of all the things that we encounter in this physical body. We know we're not experiencing God's best always in our physical body. But we're longing for it. We're crying for it. We want clothed upon with the very life of Almighty God. And so if we want transformation to take place within our lives or in the lives of people that we're praying for, it's the Spirit who helps us pray most effectively through what groaning and travail. This is a work or manifestation of the Spirit, to be honest with you, that few know about. And most of your most wonderful teachers kind of just skip over it and don't really get into it to reveal the depth of it. But I want you to notice something here in the book of I Isaiah. Chapter 66 and verse 8. 
It is the Holy Spirit, he's saying, that will take hold together with us, enabling us to pray beyond, let's say, the boundaries of our limitations. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Travail. Notice the words, the terminology, travail, groaning. Ladies, you know more about that than we men do. Before a child is born and birthed into the world, there's travail beforehand. And then once the child is brought forth, then there's joy. There's going to be joy on the other side in glory. But on this side, there may be some travail to take place, some groaning to take place within our hearts to have the full manifestation or realization of our redemption in Christ Jesus. It may take the Holy Spirit taking hold together with us to help us pray out for that person that we're talking about that you're so concerned about who has not come to Christ. And may I say this with all fervor, people around us are dying and being lost every single moment of every single day everywhere and we should have within our hearts a desire to bring them forth from the realms of darkness into the light of God's kingdom it could be your spouse it could be your child it could be another family member it could be a co-labor co-worker someone that you know of that you're concerned about it could be a Christian not even walking with God like they should and not doing the things you know that they should that you know they need to come back and really really give their hearts back to the Lord and walk with him how do we accomplish these things you see they're beyond our control but there's one thing that we can do Holy Spirit Take hold together with me. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. My heart is heavy for these who are not walking upright before you. My heart is heavy for those that are lost. I know they don't know Jesus. God is using every means right now. How many of you know Jennifer Garner? the actress the new movie that's out what is it a miracle something about a miracle mm -hmm. did you see how she was with T.D. Jakes and how that she said that when she lived in West Virginia she grew up in church and how that she said making this movie rekindled within her heart the fires that burned within her when she was younger and how that she went home and started talking to her children after this movie she made. And her children said to her, Mommy, you don't take us to church. And how she said we were in church that very Sunday morning. And she said it just rekindled within her the fires of the spirit that burned once so strongly. God is at work and she says and I'm taking this message to Hollywood and I'm going to let as many as I can know I know to know the goodness of God and there's a reason just to lift up Jennifer Garner before the Lord because you know that's a battlefield and you know it's no small task right but you know what greater is he who lives in us than he that lives in this world. If you weren't here when we prayed for our nation, know, know this. God's not done with this nation. Know this. What needs to be done, we can't do. That's out of our control. But God is bigger. He wants us to cast the care of it all on him. This election what's taking place, what's going on. We can't control those things, but we can make a highway for him to move in great power and might and manifest himself. He wants us to continue speaking the word over this nation, over our government, over our politicians, and truly believe that God will take who's ever in there and turn his heart the right way. 
Take it to heart and stop complaining and stop speaking negative about it. And stop listening to all the judgments over this nation. God's bigger. God's greater. God's more powerful. Praise God and he is moving in power and might. Whether it's Hollywood, in our government, wherever. In your workplace, in your family, in your home. Groaning. Notice in Galatians chapter 4. No, before we go there. I wrote down the name Daniel Nash. How many of you know Daniel Nash? You might better know him as Father Nash. Daniel Nash went before Charles Finney. He was a pastor, but then he left the pastoral ministry to go before Charles Finney in the 1800s. And he would go before Charles Finney, and we would go to a a town where they were going to have a meeting, maybe a two-week-long revival meeting or something of that nature. He would go and he would get a room somewhere. In some cases, he went into some, he called a little dungeon basement. And he would get one or two other individuals and they would just get down there and they would pray. Two weeks, sometimes before he came, sometimes three days, four days before uh, Brother Finney came to preach the message. And they would get on their faces before God, prostrate themselves on the ground, in some cases fasting in prayer. And they would just travail and groan out in the spirit. And I'm going to read to you this little bit because I'm going to be so accurate in reading it to you so that you can get the the depth of what took place. On one occasion, when I got to town to start a revival, a lady contacted me who ran a boarding house. She said, Brother Finney, do you know uh, Father Nash? He and two other men have been at my boarding house for the last three days. But they haven't eaten a bite of food. I opened the door and peeped in at them because I could hear them groaning and I saw them down on their faces. They've been this way for three days, lying prostrate on the floor and groaning. I thought something awful must have happened to them. I was afraid to go in and I didn't know what to do. Would you please come and see about them? Finney responded, no, it isn't necessary. They just have a spirit of travail in prayer. And it was said of Finney that when these went before him and prayed like this in travail and groaning, he would go into places and the power of God would fall with deep conviction in such a way he would even tell people when he was out on a street ministry, you better get down from the tree because when I start preaching, the power is going to fall and you're going to fall out of that tree on the ground. And it did. And where he went, people would fall out under the power with no one even being near him. And he said, don't attribute it to me. It's Daniel Nash, another fella, and sometimes a local individual who also had committed themselves to that kind of prayer. They got together, they prayed, and they set the stage for the power of God to fall. Beloved, my longing desire is that sometimes we walk into this sanctuary and we can't get in for by reason of the cloud. We can't stand for by reason of the cloud. And it should be that way in our homes. Everywhere we go, we want God to manifest himself in us and through us. Jesus was so in tune with the Spirit's ministry. Everywhere he went and all that he did was all prompted by the Spirit. God wants us to roll up our sleeves and get deeper into these things. In the book of Galatians chapter 4, here's another thing so important, sometimes overlooked. Look at verse 19. Paul speaking to the people, the churches at Galatia, the province of Galatia. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Now we're talking about transformation. In other words, he was in travail for them to be birthed into the kingdom of God. And now he's in travail again for what reason? For Christ to be formed in them. Yes, thank God we're in Christ. And thank God on the inside we have everything. But God wants it to get from the inside to the outside, doesn't he? That's what he wants. 
And when Paul saw that many of them were challenged by the Judaizers and many of them were tempted to go back into Judaism or live under the law, etc., etc., he got on his face before God. You see, some things were out of his control. But he got on his face before God and he cried out to God and the Spirit of God fell upon him, which should be our heart's cry. Holy Spirit, Father, clothe me with your Spirit. May your Spirit fall upon me right now. Why? That your purposes may be fulfilled in my life and through my actions and through my words. See, it's not us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is his dispensation. And Paul knew that. Paul cried out. He longed to have the people that he brought to the Lord develop in their walk with God. And so it's important we recognize that we must make ourselves available to the Spirit why? So that we can give birth to the purposes of God. So that we can have the spiritual breakthroughs that he wants us to have. Not everything is a prayer petition where we ask and we believe we receive something. Some things you've got to get on your face and wait before God. And let the Holy Ghost take hold together with you. And bring those things up out of your spirit. Some things will never be accomplished without it. And so in our times of prayer and devotion before the Lord. Let's keep this before our mind. And remember, I just saw a, a, another uh, little video of a woman. I don't know if you saw this. It was CBN. And she died of pneumonia. She was actually on, she was intubated, I believe it was. And she was on her deathbed and she was dying. Her vital organs were shutting down. And she said, I came out of my body and I went up to heaven. Boy, it just so much reminded me of what Andrew saw. She said, I saw those beautiful flowers, vibrant the vibrant colors of the beautiful flowers. And she said, the trees, and I saw all that. And then all of a sudden I heard this beautiful, beautiful praise of God. And one thing I could say that stands out is just what a joyful place. What an absolutely joyful place. And all of a sudden Jesus came up to me and said, you're going to go back. You're going to go back to the earth and you're going to tell my people how much I love them. And tell them, just ask me anything. Anything. But just believe me. Just believe me. God wants us to cooperate with him. She came back into the earth. She came back into her body. The doctor was astounded. Nobody recovers from where she was at physically. He said, her organs were shutting down. She was in a bad, bad way. But God is greater than death. <clears throat> Life is greater than death, amen? But once again, we're, we're seeing what God is doing. We're hearing about these marvelous things. He's setting the stage for the last days. We know that he's coming soon. But he wants us all to recognize how intimate he wants to be with all of us. And how important it is that we yield ourselves to all that he's made available to us. And in particular, this wonderful ministry of the Holy Ghost. So that we can pray out his purposes in our lives. And also be used of him. So that we can make a highway for him to move in the lives of other people. I mean, you know as well as I do, some people are hard to reach. Right? If you think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how they were so ingrained in their religious traditions and all that, I'm telling you, if, if, if Lazarus being raised from the dead can't convince you, I don't know what can. He went a step further than that. Not only did he raise Lazarus from the dead, but also he, when he came out of the grave, had other ones come out of the grave as well who went into the city of Jerusalem. If that doesn't make your hair stand, I don't know what will. How blind were they? You can't see this. Spiritual blindness and darkness is a deep darkness. And it requires the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit to break through it. Amen. And God wants us to gather together. And you'll do his spirit. If you recall Jesus being in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was with his disciples and he began to pray. And the Bible says he was praying as if it were sweating drops of blood. Think about that. This is getting before God and recognizing this isn't going to be just I believe I receive and therefore I have. 
This is somebody not walking with God, confused, misled, deceived, misdirected, overcome by philosophies of men and that sort of thing. You know, we have an option. We can turn and walk away or steeped in some sort of sin as we see happening in our society today within the Christian community as well. I'll tell you what, go online and just start doing some research with regard to how many churches there are that that practice um, the gay lifestyle. It'll blow you away. And you also study their theology. They've got an answer for everything you say. Those um, angels that were there in in the days of of, uh, Lot, they, they didn't want to do anything with them. All they wanted to do was visit with them. And they'll go on and make every excuse and every reason as to why God has changed his view on that kind of a lifestyle. And I mean have an answer for everything. It's the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting himself in the lives of these people to open up the eyes of their understanding that they can see the truth. Only the power of God can break through that kind of deception and that mindset. But you know what? Sometimes it takes an individual like us to yield ourselves to his ministry. Get our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes on somebody else and just say, Father, I am not going to give up on this until you tell me to give up. I know your spirit won't strive with a man forever, but you know what? I'm not giving up. I am going to get before your face. I'm going to yield to your Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to clothe me with your spirit. I'm going to ask you to him to help me by taking hold together with me against my inabilities to get results and pray through me your perfect will to penetrate that deception and drive it out in a powerful way. You see, it's our part that we have to play in this. And then also, uh, that was Jesus in the garden. Let's get, let's, let me finish that. Jesus in the garden is sweating as if it were blood, drops of blood. And what's he doing? He's travailing at the rock in the garden. He knows what he's about to go through. He knows so much more than what we know. He knows so mu- much more than what any theologian, theologian knows. Any theological doctrine might say. Beloved, let's just let it all out, okay? What he went through in that garden enabled him to go through what he went through for the scourging and for the cross. And most importantly, to become sin. I don't think the scourging or the cross was what caused the sweating of blood. He would become sin. We should all right here just say, Father, give me a revelation of that. Because you see, I believe, and don't throw stones at me. Don't call me a heretic, please. Okay? I believe. I believe when he became sin, God made him sin for us who knew no sin. I believe the punishment of sin is entering into hell. And I believe that for those three days and three nights, call them what you may, here's why I'm convicted. My conviction is it was probably a Friday to a Sunday morning. Some say Thursday, some say Wednesday. I, I just lean toward the Friday because I believe the least amount of time that he's actually in that place of the lowest pit. He was in the lowest pit. Psalm 88 says, Psalm 88 tells us, in the, in the very lowest place, where the most horrific suffering would take place in that region. You think about this. We can't grasp this. At that rock in the garden, he knew what he was facing. You say, why do I say that? Paul had a scourging five times. Was he crying in the garden? No. He was beaten with rods. Was he crying? No. Think about it. Others were crucified upside down because they didn't want to die 
like Peter. Didn't want to die like his Lord. He didn't feel worthy to die like that. Guess what? Are we unaware of the fact there were two other criminals on the cross who also died by crucifixion? So when we hear all this about the most horrific way to die is crucifixion, maybe so in the natural, but he wasn't the only one to do it. There were many others, including his disciples. Some were sawed in half. Well, then why is Jesus in that garden crying out in such a manner? Oh, I don't think it was anything to do with what he would go through physically. But for the Holy Son of God, the second person of deity, who submitted himself to the Father's will to become a man, to robe himself in flesh as a man, to go to that cross and become what we were and take upon himself as the Father made him to be sin for us. Not sins, plural, but he made him to be sin for us. And the Father looked away, couldn't look at him. My God, why have you forsaken me, Jesus said. And then he went into the realm of suffering where no man ever suffered. Until on the third day. Can you imagine this scene? On the third day. Oh, how the father's heart had to ache. When he looked over the banisters of heaven, saw his son and said, It's enough. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. And he brings him forth out of that place. Suffering for you and me, but we should have suffered for eternity for in that period of time. You can hardly take it in. You can hardly imagine it. It's beyond our comprehension. But our Savior is not a wimp. If others would go and say, kill me by crucifixion, doesn't matter to me. If others could be burned at the stake and it doesn't matter to them, our Savior wasn't a wimp. What he suffered is beyond what we can imagine. And what many have understood within the body of Christ. They're so hung up on that because how can that be? What do you mean how can it be? All things are possible with God. He bore your sin and became your sin. He took your place and mine. He went where we should have gone. But the only one in the regions of the damned that was allowed to come out was the one who never sinned. But he was our substitute. And God brought him out. And oh, what a day, what a day it was. I pray that one day we get to see it. I pray he has it on CD. <laughs> or heaven vision. Whatever. How about it? And we get to watch it. Oh my. My, my, my. Okay. Our walk, number five. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us in partnership with us in prayer. If we will yield to him, he will manifest himself in our prayer lives. But notice this, our walk, our walk. Look at the book of Galatians chapter three. We're talking about the work of the spirit and the life of the believer. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, mesmerized you, hypnotized you, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or the, by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? <laughs> try, to, try to please God perfectly in your flesh. Let me know how long you get, let's say, how long you go before you say, oops, I did it again. We can't please God in the flesh. We can't keep the law like they were to keep the law. We just can't do that. But notice this in verse, chapter 5 and verse 16. <clears throat> notice this. This I say then, walk in the what? Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the what? Flesh. Walk how? Now I understand 
When we talk about the Spirit, we're talking about your Spirit recreated by the Holy Spirit. But notice this, they're both there. The Holy Spirit prompts us to live the life that God wants us to live. And so without the Holy Spirit, we can't walk the way He wants us to walk. So walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And so we recognize that, and we know that, and we say, Holy Spirit, Father, clothe me with your Spirit. This is a daily thing. Why? So that today, your purposes are fulfilled in my life. In me, and through my actions and my words. You see, apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we fall short. And the flesh can take over. But when we recognize the ministry of the Holy Ghost in us, and we yield to His ministry, you know, try this every morning. May the, whole, may the spirit of obedience rest upon me throughout the course of this day. May the spirit of obedience. See, we can't do it in the flesh. But praise God, if we will yield to the spirit, we can crucify the flesh. And that's the only way you can crucify it. By yielding to the Holy Ghost. So if we think we're just going to try to do it on our own. And deal with anger and deal with jealousy and, and unforgiveness and bitterness and all that. Mm -mm. Holy Spirit, I know your ministry. I yield myself to you. Clothe me this day. Empower me. Give me all that I need. All that is necessary to stand against the works of the flesh. Our walk from beginning to end is to be under the ministry of the Spirit. Look at Psalm 143 verse 10. This talks about leading us into the will of God. He's going to guide us. Teach me to do thy will for thou art my God. Thy Spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Leading us into the will of God for our lives. The land of uprightness. And he will always lead us in that direction. But then secondly, in Ezekiel 36, 27, we, I mentioned this before, but look at this verse. Speaking of the new birth, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. See that? My spirit within you will cause you to walk in my statutes. It's not your strength. It's not my strength. It's not our ability, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Once again, how do we activate this? By recognizing Him and yielding to Him. Praying in the Holy Ghost a lot will, will guarantee that the flesh will not take over. And then fourth, thirdly, Galatians 5.16, we just said that. He will lead us away from sin. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So in other words, He will lead us away from sin. He will lead us into the will of the Father. He will lead us to live by God's Word. He will lead us away from sin. And John 16.13, He will lead us into all the truth. This I say then, how be it when the spirit of truth is come? He will guide you in all the truth. He won't speak of himself, but he shall hear it, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit is wanting to be very active in each and every one of our lives on a daily basis to lead us into all these things. And then the next one is healing. Look at healing. Romans 8, 11. And this is something... I believe that we need to have more light on. More light on this subject. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Anybody here that has a mortal body? We all have one, don't we? We want that body quickened, which means made alive, flooded with life and health. The Holy Spirit resides on the inside of us to give life to our flesh. But you see, we've got to recognize that, acknowledge that, and let Him loose on the inside. This is the Spirit who raised up Jesus from the dead. And once again, I know it's hard to think about this, it's almost in comprehensible. It's almost hard to wrap our brain around it. But when you go through a scourging and you have a body that's been so emaciated, where your flesh has been ripped apart and so on, you, we can't even go there to imagine what his body looked like. Because we're told you can even see the vital organs. In some cases, the eyes are ripped out. I don't believe his were. 
but flesh is, is just being torn apart and shredded. Think about that. That was inside that tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. When he came up out of that grave, the Holy Ghost got a hold of him and quickened that mortal body, put it back together and glorified it. Glory, can you imagine that? I know we say that, but think about the valley of bones. Can these bones live? God asked Ezekiel the prophet, you knowest. What an answer, what a smart answer. Would you agree that's a smart answer? Well, you know. <laughs> so what does he say? To do something profound, something so beyond our comprehension. He says, speak to the bones. Speak to the bones. Then he says, speak to the wind. Words and spirit. The spirit and the word working together. The Holy Ghost lives in me to quicken my mortal body. Have we acknowledged it? Have we recognized it? Have we proclaimed it? Have we declared it? Have we worshiped God for it? The Holy Ghost is in me, empowering me, enabling me, equipping me, and quickening my mortal body, giving it life and health and wholeness and well-being and soundness of mind. Oh, thank God we've got sound minds. Thank God dementia has no place in us. Thank God Alzheimer's has no part in us. Amen. Thank God. Thank God, thank God we've got sound minds, well-disciplined, well-controlled minds. And the Holy Ghost brings all things to our remembrance no matter how old we are. Praise God. God wants us to recognize and acknowledge the Holy Ghost lives in us for a reason. And this is one of them. To empower us to live for Christ. To help us overcome the flesh. To make us ministers of the gospel. To proclaim with power and demonstration the truth of God's word. And to quicken our mortal bodies and give them life and health. Amen. See, we need the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit in our daily walk. For many reasons. And these are just some of them. Now, the process I listed there for you, which I think is something to really chew on. If we can eat food, which is a lower form of life, and through the process of transmutation have our higher form of life provided for with energy and strength, right? That's what transmutation is. You eat a lower form of life, vegetables, even animals, etc. Okay, fruits. And through the process of transmutation, if you ever study this out, it's amazing how it works. You eat the body, goes your digestive system, enters into your bloodstream, and when it enters the bloodstream through the process of transmutation, it becomes physical energy and strength. Everybody say, wow. <laughs> say it backwards. <laughs> wow. We can believe that. I know you can because you eat every day. And you believe in it, don't you? Well, if we can believe a lower form of life could sustain a higher form of life, how much more should we believe the higher form of the life of the Holy Ghost in us, living in us, can sustain a lower form of life, our flesh, and give it strength and health. Make sense? But you see, if we don't acknowledge it, he's a gentleman. He's not going to do anything. Holy Ghost, you're in me. You're quickening my body. You're driving out disease. You're driving out sickness. You're driving out whatever. Oh, thank God, I believe that you're in me. You're, I'm activating you by my words. I'm speaking life, and I believe you're watching over the word, and you're making it good. Get specific about the body parts. Get out of my knee. Get out of my back. Get out of my ribs. Get out of my shoulder. Get out of my whatever. In the name of Jesus, the Holy Ghost is quickening my mortal body. See, he gave us all the equipping that we need. We just need to be educated in the spirit and know how to operate in it and release it. But you know what? I also believe that Jesus told this woman to say this. Too many don't receive from me because of guilt and condemnation. You think God doesn't know we'd, we're going to miss the mark? He made provision by the blood of Jesus so that if you do sin, cleanse yourself from all unrighteousness by the blood of Jesus. Don't get down on yourself. You can't be perfect in the flesh. So just settle that. Yep. <laughs> Guys, there's only one person 
perfect in the flesh, and that's your wife. Leave it at that. But not you. Only Jesus walked perfectly in the flesh. Can you say amen? Right. So, we acknowledge your presence. We're not going to do that last one. Could you just stand up here? Come around this altar with me. I want us to say this together. I want us to say, Father, clothe me with your spirit so your purposes are fulfilled in me and through my actions and my words. That's how he fulfills in us the good pleasure of his will. Through the work of faith with power. Faith is speaking the word. Power is the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's say it together. Say, Father, clothe me with your spirit so that your purposes are fulfilled in me and through my actions and my words. Hallelujah. Thank you for the clothing of your spirit, the cloak of your spirit falling upon each of us right here and right now. Oh, hallelujah. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sounds and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.